0: Time to play the game.
1: Time to play the game! One more round, round <laughs> your
0: And all you can it, all about
2: who's going to make it? I am the game. Good evening. We are live here in the One More Round Studios. Casey Just with Damien St. Pierre Mello at the controls. We've got a jam-packed show for you tonight in a couple of minutes. We're going to take the caravan up to Thibodeau. We're going to have Nichols football coach Tim Rebo on the line. Coach Rebo is going to talk about his team before uh practices which start next week i believe next tuesday he will let us know how his team is doing then after that we're going to have marcus wood senior the east mississippi community college offensive coordinator i know you're probably saying man why the heck do they have east mississippi community college coach on is because that show is featured on last chance you which is on netflix great show they are now into their second season we're very excited to have coach wood on the show to talk about his team and what's it like being a reality star um Partner, uh, we're going to lead off though with a little football. As uh, It's now July 25th. Every time we do one of these shows, we're closer and closer to the next football season. There's one interesting topic that I want to talk with you about. I was doing a little uh, cruising the sports book this morning, was looking at uh, some of the different lines. I noticed something that I thought was pretty interesting in the particular book that I was looking at. LSU and the Saints were both favored are expected rather to get eight and a half wins on their over or under total i thought that was an interesting segue so i'll throw it to you is lsu or the saints more likely to go over eight and a half wins in the next season of course lsu has 12 games to do it the saints have 16 games to do it but i think it's going to be really really a tight race
3: yeah i mean i'm a realist here i'm there's definitely going to be lsu is going to definitely hit that mark before uh the saints do i i don't see the saints uh, seven and nine you know, that, that's, the, that's the par, I guess, for their seasons, the last few seasons. I, I just don't see it. LSU, I think, has the bigger upside this season uh, with uh, all the recruiting that Coach O has going on and just the fact that he's got a big-time excitement pumped back into the program. Interesting thing going
2: on at LSU right now is to get fans pumped up for the start of the season. They've been releasing videos from either last season or from spring football And one thing that I wanted to talk about was, I don't know if you saw it, but they released a video of Matt Canada coaching during the spring. The guy was on fire. He was, you know, up and down, pacing the sidelines, very energetic, very emotional. And the the thing, you know, it's funny, I was watching this actually with my dad, and we we both had it on on the computer. And the first thing he said was, man, that guy, you know, he he seems like he's going to be pretty fun. And I was thinking the same thing as well as, this seems a complete one eighty from the Les Miles, Cam Cameron. We're gonna clap crazy and not have any emotion at all. This guy seemed to be very fired up and he seemed to be something that eighteen through twenty-two year old kids are gonna be far more interested in than the old regime.
3: Yeah, it's it's the new school of football. You gotta you gotta have that medium between being a, a, a very disciplined and uh, a, you know, a very disciplined coach and a hard ass pretty much and, and the new guy that relates with the new athletes and the athletes of that wanna be. Uh, at LSU, the athletes that we need at LSU. I did watch 24 seconds of that video, right? Uh, I have AT and T as my internet, as my uh, cell phone service provider, and it locked up at 24 <laughs> seconds. So AT and T, you get the thumbs down for the week. Were the 24 seconds enough to sell you? Yeah, absolutely. He was up in the offensive line's face. You know, hell of a drill, guys. That's good energy, good you know, good everything. It's not that it's that he's overly positive is that he's got a ton of energy. And that Fake it till you make it, even if you're not feeling it. Fake it till you make and, it. And we were aware throughout the entire video that he was
2: alive, which is something that we couldn't <laughs> always say with less Miles on the sidelines. And I think that that would be an interesting change. Now, speaking of Matt Canada, and we'll talk some Saints a little bit later on in the segment, but speaking of Matt Canada, he was on, I believe, with Matt Moscona a couple of days ago, and he said something that was really interesting. He said, he was asked about the quarterback, in which that's a very, you know, contentious topic. Every LSU fan for the last half decade wants to know how well is our quarterback going to play this year, barring an injury or barring something crazy happening. Is going to be Danny Etling, the opening day starter. Matt Canada said, "Hey, look, I'm excited about Danny Etling. I think he's going to be really good." And then he elaborated and said, "Hey, look, this is a guy who was productive last year with a back injury. He couldn't feel one of his legs." He said. Canada elaborated, said that his plant leg was numb throughout the year and that Danny Etling was far more hurt than he ever let on to anybody. And I think that that's exciting. Now the guy's got the operation, he's going to actually be healthy, which I think is going to be something that we could all look forward to. This is a 50-year senior. This is not going to be a true freshman. This is going to be a 23-year-old quarterback playing against 18- and 19-year-old defensive backs in some cases. I don't know that Etling's going to be a Heisman Trophy guy. In fact, i would go so far as to say he's not going to be. But I think he's going to be a
3: very solid, productive player under center for the Tigers. Listen, he doesn't have to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. He has so much talent around him. He has to do what Les Miles has been doing the last five years. Don't mess it up. Sure. Uh, you know, don't throw the costly interception. Hand the ball off cleanly and throw the ball in the vicinity of one of your playmaking wide receivers and have him go get it. Uh, the past few seasons we've had, quarterbacks that throw over their head are behind them and they can't, they can't get the ball. I think uh, Canada seems pretty pretty confident in Etling and, and what he could do. You know, he's not talking much about uh, the backups. You know, Coach O kind of left it open that there's a competition or whatnot. But I think, I think going in that Edling can get the job done as long as he doesn't try to do too much.
2: Very good. And another interesting topic that a lot of LSU fans are really looking very closely at, is Arden Key, Coach O has said, you know, hey, Arden's not going to be ready to practice when practice opens next week. He may be able to play week 1, he may not be able to play week 1. Well, Arden Key is it I follow him on Twitter. He posted a video of himself working out in like a little sandlot thing with some cones and some different things like that. I I if he's not 100% now, I'd hate to see him when he is 100%. He was going through that drill very well, and I think it was a an exciting thing for LSU fans to see. Those this was a non-contact drill. He was moving, and he looked, more importantly than that, he looked to be in phenomenal shape. He was chiseled, the six-pack, big biceps. He looked
3: to be in really, really good shape. Yeah, I got a chance to see the same video. He looked a little bit bigger than last season, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because he was kind of on the smaller side. Hopefully, you know, he bulked up a little bit, and he'll keep that quickness because I think that's what made him the stud that he is. Hopefully, he'll be ready for week one because anytime you lose, arguably arguably your best defender, it's going to be tough to replace. So let's, let's break this down. Eight and a
2: half is the number. We, we both like to throw a couple of potato chips in Vegas every once in a while. I think LSU is going to start 5-0. and They got BYU to open. They got Mississippi State. Then a bunch of cream puffs in between. I think the first month they'll be 5-0. and So that means that they would have to win four more games. That's going to be a challenge. You got the meat of your schedules after that. That's the Alabamas of the world. That's the Arkansas's of the world. Do you think LSU is going to get past eight and a half? You think they could have a nine and three season?
3: I truly do think they could be nine and three. I promise you, they won't lose to South Carolina. <laughs> that I can promise you. I'm expecting a uh, ten win season uh, from Coach O. Especially, I think Tiger Stadium is going to be on fire. I don't, I can't see someone going in there and really picking LSU apart at home. They're going to get the road victories that they. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm actually excited about an LSU football season. It has been. Before last half season, it's been a long time. I think the Magic will be back in Tiger Stadium. I really, truly expect ten wins, and I don't think the Saints could come close to ten wins, especially with the injuries now that keep piling up on defense. The offense not getting any younger, and the head coach not getting any smarter.
2: That's an interesting segue. As on uh, social media, just saw a minute ago there was a tweet posted one of the reporters in New Orleans. I'll if I find it I'll give the proper credit. Said that the Saints. And the Pelicans have a major announcement tomorrow. We're recording this, of course, on Tuesday. That announcement will be on Wednesday. So by the time this is posted, the announcement may or may not have been made. I don't know what to make of this. I saw Deuce McAllister subtweeted the original tweet and said, hey, I think fans are going to be excited about this. So we don't think it's going to be anything drastic in terms of the teams for sale or anything like that. But, um it's interesting to see the Saints and Pelicans have something down the, the wire, but the news personnel-wise is they cut Darnell Ellerby, the linebacker. He has not been able to stay healthy. Um, man, I we were talking about this before the show. Mello's kind of high on the Saints. He thinks they're going to maybe win nine, ten games, have a shot to win the division. And look, I think that they improved. I, I really do think they improved their roster, but I look at their division, D, and Tampa Bay, they got better. That is Jameis Winston you're facing twice. The Falcons are the defending NFC champions. that's you know that's now four games. Then you go, Carolina, Carolina's probably going to be better. That's six games. That's just in your division. I think that their schedule is going to really not
3: do them very many favors. Listen, everybody in that division is getting better and I don't I think the Saints just continue to be average. But going back to that announcement, Do you think Tom Benson has a son that he didn't know about in his college days, (laughs) a la Kurt Angle on Raw? More about that later in the show. That would be an interesting wrinkle. um,
2: NFL predictions, okay? We like to always see this, and it's a fun thing to throw out there. USA Today made some predictions. I don't know if you saw this or not. They posted a win-loss record for every team in the league. Here are their division champions. They have the Cowboys winning the East 11-5. Green Bay winning the North 12-4. The Falcons winning the South 12-4. Seattle winning the West 11-5. Now you go over to the AFC, and this is where things get interesting. They have the New England Patriots going 16-0. Undefeated in the regular season, they're joined by the Steelers, Titans, and Raiders as division winners. Man, that's got to be a little pressure. I know that if there's a team out there that could handle pressure, it's New England, they're good every year. But, man, to predict in an NFL you know, culture where there's so much parity – And to go step up on the table and say, hey, these guys are going to go undefeated, I think that's a testament to how good the Patriots actually are.
3: I saw a stat a couple of weeks ago that had the Patriots at a 34% chance to win the Super Bowl. And I think next in line, uh, 34%. That is unbelievable. And no one else, I'm not going to go out because I don't want to be wrong. Uh, I don't like being wrong. Uh, No one else had double digits in their percentage of chance
2: that's unbelievable new england they were the uh, the champions this past season i can make an argument they got better they get brandon cooks and it's just it, it's it's awesome to to think of in a league where no one has sustained success they do it every single year now interesting thing we can make fun of my team here for a minute the cowboys they're picked to go 11 and 5 there's no more tony romo on the roster ezekiel elliott's had a hell of an off season in and out of trouble Lucky Whitehead just got released. The team thought he got arrested. He actually didn't get arrested. Um, I'm a pessimist by trade. So even last year when the Cowboys were winning, I was kind of saying, hey, man, this is not going to work out at the end. But I got a feeling they may have a letdown season.
3: See, I I don't see it. I just see them as getting better and more mature. They're still going to win the game uh, in the trenches with the offensive and defensive line. you got a hell of a running back, and you got a quarterback that has gotten, I'm sure – a little bit more grasp on the offense and a little bit more comfortable at getting all those snaps last season. I I, I see a big year for the Cowboys.
2: Now, also in the, these USA Today projections, another one that, that really caught my eye is the Colts. Andrew Luck, that squad, they are predicted to finish 5-11 and in the AFC South. Now, look, this is just one man or one staff's opinion. The Colts may do much better than that. They may do worse than that. We don't know. But I, I guess the, the bigger question is you got Andrew Luck who is supposed to be this big franchise-changing guy? And look, he's been a really good player. But how bad is the rest of this roster and the rest of this organization that they are predicted to go five and eleven with this guy
3: on their team? Well, I don't know. Um, I don't really know the make of the Colts roster besides Andrew Luck. <laughs> That's but, part of the problem. Um, he's going to start training camp on the pup list, which uh, I'm not sure how long you got to stay on there. But if they don't have him, they're in big trouble. I know they have some big-time aging running backs. Their wide-receiving core is questionable because I had most of them on my fantasy football team last year, and they did terribly. Uh, Listen, you get rid of a franchise guy, and you you try to draft the next big thing, and Luck had some great seasons, but... It just, if, if you can't play, you know, he had some he had some issues last year, stayed on the field, and if you can't play, you got all your eggs in one basket, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have that 5-11 and 11 season.
2: There we go. Before we take our first break, I got a little breaking news here on ESPN. It's an Associated Press story. Anthony Davis spoke to reporters today at a youth basketball camp, and he said, and I quote, we can't wait for the season to come and try to make some noise here in the loaded Western Conference. He said we're doing everything, whether it's signing players, trading players, whatever it is, just to make sure – that we try to be a winning organization. We have the tools right now to be successful. Right now, I think we look good on paper, so we've just got to figure it out. He then went on to continue and say, we're trying to you know, get to the playoffs and different things like that. Um, the big fella spoke. He didn't seem disgruntled in his, in his language, but I do think the writing is sort of on the wall of the clock's ticking, baby. You better start winning. The big fella wants to win. He's not going to be content missing the playoffs
3: every year for much longer. Let me tell you what he needs to stop doing. Dunking on random neighborhood goals? No that, kidding. What is up with that challenge? Going up down the street looking for a goal to dunk on? Does he know it's 2017? And I really hope he's not doing that in New Orleans. I hope he's he's back home. And uh, well, hell, even his hometown's just as bad as New Orleans. Yeah. I would, You know, we gave a 65% chance survival rate going to a Pelicans game. I'm going to give a 35% (laughs) chance of dunking a random goal in a New Orleans neighborhood. It could be better if it
2: were Boogie Cousins. He'd be shooting fadeaway three-pointers in other people's driveways. So I guess a dunk
3: is at least a more efficient shot. (laughs) I'm going to start going nail three balls. Like on the way home tonight, I'm going to stop. I got a basketball in the back of my uh, SUV. I'm going to stop and nail a three-point in somebody's goal and see what happens.
2: Really quickly, D, the, the Pelicans let go of Quinn Cook, their, their summer league star. Were you surprised to see that? I mean, he had a really good summer. I don't know what more could he do to uh, earn a roster spot, which he did not end up getting. I think he may have
3: scored too much for their liking. Uh, you no, know, <laughs> I, I sat in here and I actually talked, uh, I talked up Quinn Cook for a while, I thought he deserved a spot on the roster, but apparently I don't make those decisions.
2: There we go. Let's take our first commercial break. When we get back, we're going to have a college head football coach on the line. That'll be Tim Rebo of the Nichols State University Colonels. And after that, Marcus Wood Sr., the East Mississippi Community College Offensive Coordinator. Of course, he is featured on Last Chance U, a phenomenal show. Check that out on Netflix. We'll be right back. One more round.
3: Tabafoos Biddy Basketball presents its 8th Annual Summer Classic, August 4th, 5th, and 6th at the Cutoff Feud Center. Saturday and Sunday will feature a men's 5-on-5 tournament, while Sunday will feature a kids' 3-on-3 tournament starting at 9 a.m. Call Damien St. Pierre at 985-637-1513 for information on how to get your team registered. One more more round round. to the The production.
2: And welcome back to one more round studios. Casey Justclair here with Damien St. Pierre Mello at the controls and on the phone lines right now, we have a special guest, nickel state university football coach, Tim Maribo coach. How you doing, man?
1: Good, man. Thanks for having me. How y'all doing tonight?
2: Doing just fine, man. Um, exciting time for, uh, for a college football head coach. You guys are about ready to start practices for your next season. Had media days last week. We're picks to pick the finish fifth. I believe in the league, um, Looks like things are trending upward for the Colonels, man. Just talk about your team as you're getting ready to start
1: practices. Well, hey, one of the things that's a, a little bit different is uh, every time you go to media days, you know that you know the season is right here, it's right around the corner. The, the guys are uh, finishing up their summer workouts and uh, getting ready to report for fall camp. But I think one of the things that's going to sound a little crazy that's a little bit different for us this year is uh, we're going to actually play a game the first week of the season. Uh, it's kind of been the last two years we've always had an open date so uh, we always reported a little bit later than uh, say most of the teams in the country because you know you allow so many practice days in the fall so we get to actually report on time with everybody else Uh, our guys are are getting excited Uh, they went home um, uh, today and uh, they'll come back report on Monday and we'll start practice on Tuesday
2: and coach tell me a little bit about that first game it's going to be a big one you know in in years past Nichols has sort of opened up with that big power five opponent this year you're opening up on a Thursday night at home in conference I know that's going to be a very exciting time to be a colonel
1: yeah it's good you know I've been getting a question a lot about hey uh playing a conference game how is that why is that you know we only play two non-conference games all year it's it's uh it's not really unusual. Some teams open up and play some conference games early on, and uh, ours just happen to happens to be the McNeese Cowboys, who are you know a power in this league, a, a power in the state, and uh, so right off the bat, we're going to have to you know show how much we've improved over the years, and you know last two years we played and we, we haven't played real well against them, so I'm hoping we can change that this year.
2: Coach, you had a true freshman quarterback last year, and I know that for a lot of coaches around the country, that make you guys very, very nervous. But 4K went in there, played really well. Now he's had an entire offseason to get better. What should fans expect out of him next season?
1: Well, you know, I, he was a special young man when we recruited him out of high school. We knew that. Uh, you know, we had, he, he had a lot of talent, but he had a lot of the intangibles. Uh, and, and he proved that last year. Uh, when, you know, when you talk to Chase, he, he realizes, too, he, he, he was not uh, as good as he could be. He he had a good uh, opening campaign, but he says he can be a lot better. And we just see him, I see him maturing a lot more uh, through the off season, through the year. Uh, I think even after spring ball, uh, you know, we finished that up in March. uh, He's continued to grow, continued uh, to mature and continue to lead this football team. He's had a tremendous summer uh, and and we're excited about the future uh, of the program because you got a guy coming back can take charge of that offense and can take charge of your, of your football team
2: sure and, and one area coach that i think goes overlooked really or underlooked rather is um you got here uh took over a defensive unit that was really really struggling but the last couple of seasons last year especially you, you guys were much improved on that side of the ball got some guys back on that side of the ball as well tell me about your defense and some of the things you're expecting out of those kids
1: well, first of all, Coach Tommy Ryback is our defensive coordinator. And, you know, if I, and if I could mention uh, the guys who work along with him, Anthony Camp on the defensive line, uh, Brian Wallace, who, who works with the uh, safeties and the nickels, and, and Chris Thompson, who works with the corners. Those guys do a tremendous job. Uh, one of the things when we got here, uh, Tommy was the first guy on the staff that we hired is, is uh, you know, we looked at what had happened in the past. And, And it was just a pattern of giving up big plays after big plays, Uh, long runs, long passes. And we knew we had to eliminate that. And so what we did is we just uh, got really simple uh, on defense, you know, and I look it you know, starts with some good players and you recruit those players, but you got to put a scheme together that can, that can fit those guys. And uh, it's, it's a simple approach, you know, it's a, you know, sometimes we make this game a little bit more complicated. Uh, Than what it should be, you know. It's about blocking and tackling and on that defensive side of the ball. That's the big emphasis: being where you're supposed to be, running to the ball, and making some good tackles. And I and I can't say enough about the job that those guys have done. And uh, you know, we got some returning guys uh, starting on that defensive line. We got All-American linebacker returning. Uh, we got some good guys in the secondary, so we're excited about uh, that side of the ball.
2: Coach, one thing that's very exciting uh, in Nichols State University right now is some renovations going on around campus. You guys are going to be playing on a beautiful new surface this coming season, doing some renovations to the locker room and just some different things like that. Talk about the investment that your administration has put into the football program since you've been there.
1: Well, I think it starts with the top. uh, Dr. Bruce Murphy, the president, sees the importance of athletics uh, to a program and what it can do to a university, uh, what it can do to an uh, entire community. And so uh, he, he's putting the money into it. We got uh, Matt Rohn, our new athletic director, who's, who's been involved here. Uh, there's a lot of people working behind the scenes to get some things done. You know, in, in today's, it's crazy. You know, today's age of, uh, of recruiting, uh, it, it's all about the stuff of what you have. You know, the guys see all the big stadiums and the nice stuff and the nice locker rooms. And you have to do that in order to keep up. So it, it was time. It was a long time coming. The stadium – the uh, turf had been old it, it was time for replacement uh we had some people step up uh to get us a brand new surface we have a also a new video board uh that'll be installed in early august and it'll be in place for uh the first game and that's just going to make the whole atmosphere and the whole john l gidry stadium uh just a great place to be on saturday night and I uh, you say on thursday night for the first game this year
2: very good and, and- your last recruiting class a little bit smaller than normal in terms of the number of players signed but i saw at media day last week you said hey look we're expecting a lot out of those guys you said really got a lot of quality over quantity in that group uh i guess tell us about your signees and some kids that that maybe can make an early impact
1: well we 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 needed to replace a couple guys on offense you know we we, as much as we have returned and we lost a a big play receiver and cj bates we lost uh an offensive lineman and Chris Bordelon, who's, who's with the New York Jets. So we got to get some guys to fill those roles. We're getting Eddie Houston back, who Eddie was a junior college recruit for us the year before. He was a starter. Uh, he, he got hurt uh, uh, first second game of the year, missed the entire season. So now he's back. We picked up uh, Dantez Costley from St. James, Dejan Dixon out of um, uh, Edna, Edna Carr in New Orleans, who knows how to play a little football down there. And so we, we, we got to plug those guys into place and get those guys ready. We got a, another receiver that transferred from the uh, University of Alabama in, in Raheem Falcons. Uh, and then plus, we redshirted a couple guys last year. When you look at a guy like uh, Aaron McKinney, uh, we're expecting big things out of Christian Booker again this year. So we got some guys that, you know, it, it's time for them to step up and grow up and mature a little bit. And so we're excited about that side also
3: coach you have higher expectations coming into this season do you do any uh do you prep differently going into the offseason or during the preseason
1: no I, not really you know I think you know we talk about pressure and some things about expectations but it's kind of what you put on yourself one of the main things that we're going to focus on when when we go into camp and uh, we talked about it is we, we have to worry about ourselves uh and and I know that's going to sound like old cliche is but when when you look at, uh, you know, we can't get too far ahead and start looking at McNeese as uh, soon as we get on a practice field on, on, on Tuesday. You know, we got to do the things uh, that kind of got us to the point. And I always tell all our players, it, it's all about the process of how we do things. Uh, we can't worry about the end product right away. We, we just got to enjoy the process along the way, and it'll take care of itself.
2: Very good. And, Coach, I know you love to be out on the road recruiting, so I'm going to ask you a recruiting question real quick. NCAA talking about possibly a possibility of an early signing day. Do you think that would be good or bad for college football?
1: Well, you know they 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 went ahead and they they passed it. They approved it. It's going to happen. It won't happen this December, but it'll happen next December. It's going to change the whole recruiting calendar. Uh, I think you know it, it. They've been studying it for a couple of years. It's 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 probably a long time coming to make some changes, but uh, I, I think it's going to be good for college football. I think it'll uh, force the opinion is for schools like us, it'll kind of clear the clear the waters up a little bit. You know, if a guy's going to go ahead and sign with a team early, uh, I guess, so to speak, kind of get them out of the way, and then you know the guys who you can go and recruit. So I think it might help the smaller schools a little bit.
2: Coach, I was looking at your depth chart a little bit and your roster and the, the breakdown of, of where your guys are coming from right now. And when you took this job, you made a promise, you know, look, we're going to recruit local first, and if we have to go outside the area to get somebody, we'll do that. And man, I got to tell you, I'm seeing a lot of Terrebonne High, Vanderbilt, South Terrebonne, and you know, in the New Orleans area, John and the Car. You guys are getting a very, very big portion of your players from within a mile or so, or an hour or so of your campus, um, and I think that that's really bringing a lot of life to your program. Can you talk about that a little bit? Your recruiting strategy?
1: Yeah, I think it says a lot about our coaches too. You know, our coaches head out on the road and. Uh, they established some good relationships with, with the area and with the high school coaches, and that means a lot. And, uh, you know, uh, if those coaches, uh, you know, they they don't send players to you, but if they know they can uh, get a player your way and, and, and they trust in you and believe in the things you're doing, of course that helps. But we all know the, the rich talent they have in this area. And you mentioned the areas like, you know, down the bayou, along the river. Uh, baton rouge it's just loaded with talent and what we got to do is which i'm proud of too is i think our coaches are are great evaluators uh and and we go out and we find the guys we find the talent uh the ones that'll fit into our program uh you know hey i I tell them man they they all can't go to alabama lsu usc uh you know there's a fit for everybody so our guys do a good job of identifying and uh, i think one of the things we do is is we trust what we see uh and what we see on film and what we see in young men's and it it seemed to work out pretty well for us
2: coach we're recording here from golden meadow louisiana so Mm -hmm. we got a guy or you have a guy on your roster that's from this area it's mason boudreaux it's a guy reminds me of a bowling ball out there when you hand him the (laughs) ball he gets you two or three hard yards talk about the role he's going to play for your team this season
1: well you you know when, when we first got here mason uh had injured his foot and uh he he was never really the same so he ended up having a red shirt um even all last spring you know he was kind of injured a little bit tentative and it was good to see him all last summer he was healthy he worked hard and we thought he had a productive year for us and and now we're really excited because he had a good spring again he's had a good summer uh i think he's in the best shape of his life of, of what he's been in and so we're expecting him to play an important role in our offense and and uh, uh give us some good quality depth at running back
2: very good hey coach thanks so much for the time and before the season starts we'll have you on again. All right.
1: Hey, guys, i appreciate any time, and go Colonels.
2: Absolutely. That is Nichols State University head football coach Tim Rebo. Good guest to have on. He's very knowledgeable about his team and then also the sport as a whole. I love this answer about the early signing day. That's going to be something that, to keep an eye on here as it's not this coming December but the following. They're going to have a new sheriff
3: in town, so to speak, in college football recruiting. Yeah, uh, Coach Rebo is always awesome to have on. That's the second time I get a chance to speak with him. Uh, we talked about him in the last podcast about how – how just personable he is to sit down and talk with, you know, sit down and talk with you. There's a culture change in sports going on at Nichols right now. And, you know, he lead, he led the charge on that. You got Coach Riley trying to do the same thing and starts recruiting the local guys. You talked about having that roster of, of local kids that brings the people in the stands, that brings passion and, and pride to the program, being able to represent something that you are so close to.
2: As a four-year university, you know, you got four major sports, so to speak. That's football, baseball, both basketballs. At Nichols right now, you got Rebo. Richie Riley, Doobie Plazas, and Seth Thibodeau. I don't know that you could find four more energetic people who would you know, love to go out on the road and love to interact with people. They got four people persons, so to speak, as at the the CEO spots of those programs, and it's really
3: paying off. It shows with the win-loss records. Right? I know a lot of stuff's not about winning and losing, but at the same time, at this college level, it, it is. That's exactly what it's about, and that's about keeping people, keeping that money rolling in in the university. You know, Nichols uh, is always – they talk about budget cuts and this, but you know, if you get people in, in the stands, that, that's that's money coming in that you don't have to worry about for education.
2: The work that they have done without the budget that you, you just mentioned is unbelievable. I mean, the baseball facility is undergoing a lot of changes right now. The basketball facility, new locker room, new scoreboard, football, the turf, and everything like that. The administration there, and then the also the supporters. Nichols does not have a giant fan base. But the people that they have on board are ride or die. They're some of the most loyal people that you will ever find. The progress that they have made despite a challenging time is absolutely unbelievable. And you just can't say enough about the, the way that they've been able to elevate themselves without the funding.
3: And hey, look, that's something to be proud of as a community, to be able to have people that can support that program and, and do so in such a high level. Remember
2: last year we were sitting at a scorer's table in a 5-on-5 basketball tournament. We were following the Nichols-Georgia game we were all shocked you know hey Nichols is going to maybe pull this thing out they played the Bulldogs right tit for tat throughout the entire game this year that big challenging game is going to be in College Station against Texas A&M don't know how that game is going to go but I do think that Nichols is going to have a very good season the kid that we asked Coach Rebo about uh, the 4k kid at quarterback Chase 4k he's a player from day one 18 year old kid true freshman he was not rattled i think some of that may actually be because his high school district is damn near as good as a college district so you know i think that he's gonna have a really big year and you got still two more full seasons of him after this year they've got a ball player there they've got a face of their team for the next several years
3: yeah i was gonna say the same thing chase 4k was he was he was battle tested coming from rumble and I remember sitting in the uh, the announcement when Coach Rebo went over his his recruiting class that season, and there was a buzz in the room uh, because he was he was kind of on board, but no every, nobody really trusted that he was going to come uh, to Nichols. And at the at signing day, you know, he 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 did what he what he said he was going to do, and he committed to Nichols. And it's been an awesome ride since, and he's got a he's got a great great career ahead of him. So the Colonels opened their season on a
2: Thursday night. That first. The the Thursday before the first Saturday of the college season there, home against McNeese. I'm going to try to make it a point to be out there. We'll definitely have Coach Rebo on before the season opener as well. We want to thank him for joining us. Let's take a break. When we get back, who watches Netflix? Everybody watches Netflix. Last Chance you Marcus Woods Sr. Their new season has just been released. It's really good. The first season was really good. We'll have him on in the next segment to talk about what it's like being a small college coach that is now a reality star you're listening to one more round we'll be right back after this
0: every day you got to get better every single day just let you see what you made of that ah! yeah yeah, yeah I, I can't stop now. let's go
2: we're going to sign some rings up i
0: just going to keep on we all have to believe in ourselves, because I do believe in you. He's
1: down. I don't know that I can live like this.
0: I'm going to tell y'all right now, y'all going to make fun of my dadgum, dadgum shorts. Bring him back, <laughs> bring him back.
2: And welcome back to one more round studios. Casey just cleared with Damian St. Pierre. We want to thank Nichols coach, Tim Rebo for joining us in the last segment. Now we're going to go back to the phone lines. and We're going to have Marcus woods, senior, the offensive coordinator at East Mississippi community college. They're of course, very well known for being the school that has been presented on, um, what's on the show? Last show? <laughs> the show escaped me there for a second. Um, <laughs> we have Marcus woods senior on the line coach. How you doing, man? Man,
0: I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me.
2: Sure. And, Leading off, um, you know, the second season was just released on Netflix a couple of days ago. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the first question i got to ask you is, what's it like watching yourself on TV and watching yourself coach and everything like that? I'm sure that's got to be an it's interesting
0: little, situation. It is. It's a little different. I think, that, you know, when you first start uh, around all the cameras and stuff, you, you kind of get acclimated to it a little bit. But you, I don't know if you ever really get, get accustomed to wearing the mics all the time. Because you're wearing them whether you're meeting with players, whether you're meeting with coaches, whether you're uh, – Visiting with administration across campus, you got you got wires all over you. So that's a little bit different. And then uh, to step back and then see yourself, of course, I think it's true with any of us. When you when you get a chance to watch yourself, some things you're like, well, that's okay, and some things like, oh, wish I hadn't have done that. So who you knows how that goes?
3: Coach, does the series accurately portray the, the the team and the and the coaching staff?
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty close. I mean, I think you get a chance to see it. I think you know it's just like you tell players, uh, you tell them all the time, film doesn't lie. So. I think it reveals things about different ones of us. I think you see kind of the good things. You see some of the bad things. Uh, But, you know, unfortunately, you know, you you can't really control what's on there because when you sign off to do a show like that, you're going to get the good or the bad, whatever they end up editing and putting on there. Fortunately, we had some really good guys, and we felt good with the editing, and uh, they did a good job kind of cleaning some stuff up. So, yeah, it, it was good.
2: Has there ever been a time where you said something or did something, and then about five, ten minutes later, realize, man, I'm mic'd up. I probably shouldn't have said or done that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think you worry about it or you're <laughs> conscious of it probably more so than you really catch yourself going back and and doing that. But I think as you're as you're doing it, you know, you get more comfortable wearing it, and then I think that's kind of dangerous because the more comfortable you get, the little little quicker will probably fly off the handle or do things or say things you don't mean. So. Yeah, I, I think you're aware of it, but I don't I don't think you really dwell on it that much.
2: What has this done for y'all's program? Because, I mean, other than this show, not very many people have sure. been made, made aware of East Mississippi Community College football, but now you guys are right. on the map. What has this done for the program as a whole?
0: Well, I think the notoriety's been unbelievable. I think when you step back and look at it, I, I visited with uh, four guys today that uh, flew in from Ireland, and they had come over and they were kind of making a kind of a tour of the south southwest they'd gone out to texas come back to louisiana and been through new orleans and they're on the way to montgomery before heading back to atlanta and that's where they were going to fly out of and they said you know they were this close they didn't want to be that close to the last chance you and not come and I, I just find that amazing but we'll have wow. guys that you know maybe work on the railroads coming in from tuscaloosa or birmingham or just from from different spots and uh you know you'll see them travel i think we had a couple from england last year another from germany from scotland different places that came over in vacations and you know we ski was a town of about seven hundred, and we've got uh, a couple gas stations, a little restaurant you'll see on the show, and that's that's really it. So to have people come that far, pretty amazing, pretty amazing stuff.
3: Coach, you've had to, had the opportunity to work with some some pretty pretty well known talent. What is the the best offensive talent that you've had the opportunity to work with?
0: Oh wow, you know so many good ones. Uh, had a Louisiana product that's back coaching now, Rodriguez Moore from Bastrop who was phenomenal, could do a lot of things, ended up playing for us and went to Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I've had receivers that went to Ohio State and Oklahoma and Mississippi State. We've had guys to Florida and Alabama. I talked to uh, Jaron Reed today with the Seahawks, who's one of ours, and I talked to uh, Quentin Dial and DJ Jones, who are the tackles of the 49ers. Chad Kelly was phenomenal. Um, you know, I, we've had so many good ones. That's, that's a good question. Hard to pinpoint. I, I think that I'll leave that to a lot of the critics and the fans to decide that, but Man, we've had some good ones. Probably the most dominant year we had was uh, 13. I think we averaged like 63 a game and like 615 yards a game. So that was a, that was a pretty phenomenal year.
3: Coach, we talked about a little bit about the talent. How has the series affected uh, recruiting?
0: I think out of state it brings a little more notoriety because those kids kind of would like to be involved in something like that. You know, they see some good things. They see some bad things. But at the end of the day, they think the exposure they get, you know, may offset any, any of the negativity. So I think a lot of them are excited about that from the out-of-state standpoint. From an in-state standpoint, um, we've been able to do pretty well. And and it's kind of a a deal where uh, we've, we've hit pretty good and we've been pretty fortunate with our in-state guys. We don't always – we're not always able to just go ahead and pick them out of anybody's district. I think all the different districts do a great job in the coaching – has changed. I think what really has changed with our league is, uh, you know, so much more money has been put into athletics. So maybe programs that had four or five coaches, now they have six or seven, eight coaches, that type of stuff. And, you know, if you get more coaches and more eyes to watch guys and go out and hit the road. So I think the recruiting has balanced up a little bit in the uh, last few years in state. Whereas we kind of had a, a good grip on it a little earlier, and it's still good, but I'm saying you know you, you're you're going against some other good guys that know what they're doing, and then uh, out of state the notoriety's been good and, and kept us you know bringing in some really top notch guys.
3: Right, coach, uh, I gotta ask, how is it working with head coach Buddy Stevens? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I get that a lot. I'll, you you I'll wouldn't do. believe it, but I get that a lot. Uh, it, it, you know what? Honestly, uh, he gave me a job nine years ago, and I took it. He's a he's a spirited guy volatile at times you kind of got to know how to take him on some things some things he doesn't mean um some things he says some things you don't even hear to be honest with you he he kind of chirps you know as your game's going on so I think if I ever sat back and really listened to it maybe some of it would bother me um for the most part I'm kind of going for the next play so I don't really hear him as much on the sideline away from that spotlight where it's a little more laid back he's probably a little bit more laid back so you know it's all right, it, it it's just like working with anybody else. You're gonna know, have some good days, you're gonna have some bad days. You know
2: how that goes, really good. Hey, Coach, the reason why this show is called Last Last Chance You is because for a lot of guys on the team, this is their last shot, you know, to try to get to that bigger yeah. school or to the NFL or whatever. What's it like coaching some guys who maybe had some problems in some different places or whatever it may be? Just talk about the dynamic of your roster and what
0: it's like coaching those players. I have absolutely loved it, and, and let me that was saying I think when they chose the name last chance, you came off that article from GQ magazine, great storyline. It was around when Chad came through here. Uh, And of course he had had some off the field troubles with his coaches at Clemson and whatnot. And I think when you get a chance to uh, step back and really look at it, to me, it's more of a second chance. It's, It's kind of a place where chances begin. What I love about coaching the athletes at this level, they're all hungry. They all want to play at the next level. You know, when you're coaching high school and I did that for 10 years, you may have some guys that are playing that uh, maybe they're playing because their parents expect them to play. Maybe they think it's what they're supposed to do. Uh, when you get to the senior college level, you got some guys that were very talented, were able to take those scholarships. And, uh, you know, some of them really relish it and really take advantage of it and, and really apply it to the field. Some of them, when they get so far into it, if they're not that productive on the grass, maybe they're just trying to finish it out and get the degree. The thing that's great about being in junior college all your guys are really striving to get to the next level. So they're real hungry, and that part is a lot of fun. I, I love competitive players, and I love being around competitive people. So to me, great league to coach in. Loved it. It's been, been a dream job for me. So it's been great.
2: Coach, what's it like having a blank slate every year? I mean, a lot of college coaches, they'll get this guy as a freshman, and they'll develop him, and they'll want him to be ready mm-hmm. for his junior and senior year. You guys are in a completely different situation. Once you get them and the year's done, you're losing them.
0: Yeah, they, they've got to be game ready. You mentioned the dynamic just a second ago. And I think when you go get a kid, I can't find the kid that maybe projects to be a guy that gets drafted after his fifth year in the NFL. That's really not what I need. I've got to have the guy that is maybe not the potential guy, but is the production guy. So I think there's two kinds. you got guys with potential, that's everybody, and then you think you got guys that are productive the problem is i can't wait on the production i've got to have it now in order for us to win i've got to be able to get out there and get after that i mentioned the 13 year i think we had 104 touchdowns shortly after that year they imposed a mercy rule on us chad came in in 14 and i think we averaged 54 a game but we had nine clocks that ran out of the 12 games after the half so you know it's been a it's been an unbelievably fun thing to coach with the ability and the talent level we've had, but yeah, I think you got to get guys that can produce right now and I, it doesn't really bother me. Some people you know, I, when I was in high school, you, know, you had time to develop them from junior high. You don't really have that. We've kind of got to get a, a ready-made guy and then keep it small and put him in positions where he can make plays and, and really watch him take it. And if we, we get young artists and then we watch them paint.
2: There you go. And, and... Coach, correct me if I'm wrong, this is going to be, you know, this last season here was the last one that you guys are going to do on the show, right?
0: That I know of. I mean, you never can tell. Last year they actually weren't here until August. They had planned on taking the show, I think, on the road after season one, but it was such a success. Yeah, that I know of, they're leaving, but who knows? I know, I think think Buddy did an article the other day, and he's wanting them back. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? If they come back, I'm sure we'd love to have them.
2: Okay, yeah, that sounds good, and we'll, we'll we'll keep watching as long as they're there. Hey, Coach, thanks so much for the time, and uh, we'll get you again soon, man.
0: I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely. That was Marcus Woods Sr., the offensive coordinator at East Mississippi Community College. He is featured on Last Chance. You can't forget. I, for, I can't believe I forgot the name of that show at the beginning. Clammed of the up, man. <laughs> that was really fun, and we want to thank Coach Woods for joining us. Man, I got to tell you, um, not a big reality TV guy. Um, but in this case i definitely had to make an exception that's a really really fun show to watch i love how real it is and what coach woods was saying just a minute ago i i love the um the hunger in each player that's on that roster because if they don't excel there then you know they may be going bad groceries this may be their last shot and i love to see the hunger in those guys
3: that's the whole dynamic of the program is something special because you got guys that are that know that is their last chance. And if they mess that up, and you would think as uh you know, a casual fan or a football fan or a guy that wishes he could play football, some of the decisions that the kids make during the program is unbelievable. Guys not wanting to go to practice or slacking at practice and look, these coaches, they do a hell of a job getting on them week by week by week. It's it, there's something for everybody. Um uh, my wife, not a football fan, she'll sit down and watch us. Now I had to explain the most part the you know some of the characters and some of the coaches and whatnot but now she's watching right alongside with me i wish i would have got to the end of of the series before we had coach wood on uh i'm not there yet i got two more episodes but it is very interesting just from from the opening to the end there's always something going on there's always some type of drama and there's always somebody about to get cussed out (laughs) over the last two years this program
2: is 19 and 2 so they're doing something right they won the mississippi bowl last year so they're having some success. And it sort of leads me to the question is, if you're a school in Ole Miss, or in Mississippi, say Ole Miss, that is looking for someone to maybe rebuild, I'm not saying go hire Buddy Stevens, but if you're going to hire a name that maybe needs a recruiter or a coordinator or a position coach, this would maybe be a good place to
3: look. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that last season they lost that one game. Well, the previous season they got in an altercation in the playoffs, so they had to actually – no one in on that no one in the stadium except coach stevens could be at that game their quarterback deandre johnson was in the press box Wow. and he couldn't even play so they had i believe right around 30 or 32 kids eligible to play that was all new kids coming in uh that's the reason they lost the game and they barely lost the game at that point uh but you talk about you know coaches leaving uh the off the quarterback's coach clint trickett who was a very successful college uh, quarterback in his day actually sure. took the tight ends job at florida atlantic so he's working with coach lane kiffin at the right now uh coming up for this season but look you got a name you got a guy that everybody sees on tv uh, you know as, as often as you want to watch the show not not as a head coach or not as uh you know a, maybe a position coach or whatnot yeah why not
2: yeah i think that'd be a really good a roll of the dice for Ole Miss should they choose to do that and you and I have coached together. We've coached together, in you know, youth basketball and different things like that. If they made a reality show of
3: us with people, with you and I, absolutely. <laughs> now they may have to do a little bit more editing than they do for our last <laughs> chance you. But listen, I got to be honest. I was, uh, I had some free time on Sunday. The our eighth grade flash team uh, won the championship this weekend in our AAU tournament at, awesome. um, in Baton Rouge. But we had a couple hours to kill between our first game and the championship game, and I went watch. And I got to listen to Coach Buddy Stevens for a little while. And I tell you what, I got pumped up. Uh, Halftime, Melo could tell you, he's listening in right now. I, there, was some, uh, some, there was some some. some was good stuff going right there. You know, there was some good stuff. And we end up uh, finishing on a 21-3 to run to end the game, to win the championship.
2: There we go. So let's do a little social media right now. Earlier in the show, we talked about the New Orleans Saints and LSU. We had a poll question on Twitter. How many games will the Saints win this coming season? 60 percent of you said the saints will win six to nine games 30 percent said 10 or over 30 percent of you are delusional 10 percent said one to five i think that's about right i think they got that one right huh
3: i voted in the one to five i'm (laughs) more
2: than 10 (laughs) percent okay uh the second poll question should ole miss consider less miles 62 percent said yes 38 percent said no uh, i'm a little surprised by that this is a an lsu heavy community we sort of turned on last late in his tenure i'm a little surprised to see that one
3: as as am i 38 percent, like you said delusional i think that they're delusional casey it's funny how we do a podcast and then a couple of days later everything kind of starts molding together by the stuff we talked about yeah yeah i agree <laughs> in the <laughs> words of mr
2: mott i agree um yeah, we're going to continue to do some some polling and continue to have some some really good guests lined up. We had two good ones today, Coach Rebo and Coach Woods. That was uh I think that we'll have a lot of very pleased listeners at those two guests.
3: Yeah, this was a very exciting show so far. I'm I'm anxious to keep this thing going.
2: Cool. Let's take our next break. When we get back, there was a WWE pay per view over the weekend. Um, I'm actually ashamed to say that. <laughs> and there's also a boxing match this weekend, or maybe a forgotten fighter. And Adrian Broner. We'll talk some Triple G, Canelo, and whatever. I'm sure, we'll get to Mayweather a little bit as well. You're listening to One More Round. We'll be right back after this.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, uh.
2: If you're in the market for a screen-printed vinyl t-shirt, sports apparel, embroidery, or much more, please visit Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company in Golden Meadow. They have all your clothing needs. Go visit Nick and all the guys out there. They're going to do a wonderful job. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company out in Golden Meadow. They're open five days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company. Give them a ring, 985-475-7700. And welcome back to one more round. Casey just clear here with Damian St. Pierre. We're wrapping up. Got one last segment. Again, we want to thank Marcus Wood. Senior, I apologize. We uh, said Woods in the last segment. We, uh, we made that right. Um, we're, in the future, we're going to continue to have some guests and we're going to open up a poll question right now. Uh, just got a text message from Stromile Swift. He said he's going to be with us anytime in the future. So we're going to offer up a poll question. Mellow, our producer, said that he knows Stromile, went to high school at Stromile. Poll question Will Stromile Swift remember Mellow? Damien, your answer.
3: I'm going to give a 27% chance of yes. 27 percent yeah write that down I
2: think it'll be a little higher I think 35 40 percent chance uh yeah I think that I think that there's a
3: chance there that that Stroh is going to remember Mello are we just are we factoring the fact that he may just want to be nice and say oh yeah I remember Chad yeah I guess
2: guess that's a good point too um talk some wrestling and some boxing here in this segment um Smackdown pay-per-view on Sunday um if I sound depressed when introducing this is because I really don't want to talk about this very much right now. The pay-per-view itself was not very good. The main event was Jinder Mahal against uh, Randy Orton in a Punjabi prison match. The match itself was okay the little bit that we got to see. An interesting thing was the dirt sheets were, were saying that the crowd was dead. Well, the crowd couldn't see the match, so they had no reason to be you know, getting wild. And then you have the ending or whatever, and of all things, you know I didn't expect this to happen. But you have the great Kali come out. He chokes Randy Orton, uh, allows gender to escape, and gender retains his title. So we were talking about this before the show. If in a creative meeting you have to say to yourself, "Hey, let's spice up this feud," and then your solution to spicing it up is to get the great Kali involved. Then maybe your feud just kinda sucks and I'm ready to see this whole Jinder Mahal
3: randy Orton thing go away. Listen, just go back to look at the timestamp on the last podcast, and I just I broke down every match and gave pretty much exactly what happened. And if at any point in time I could do that, you're you are in serious trouble. Now, I was quoted and I'll quote myself as saying, I don't care about this match. I don't care about this match. Well, the reports and the results from the match, from the pay-per-view, led everyone else to believe. Nobody cared about it. You have SmackDown right now is awful. Uh, I'm a big Jinder Mahal fan, but what they're... Look, I like where they're going with it. I just don't like the the current spot. There's no reason to bring in a old guy when you got so many new guys, especially an old guy that was marginal... At best,
2: like he, he can't talk. He can't walk. Right. <laughs> I mean, he, do, he offers nothing other than, oh, he used to be
3: that Indian guy that was a heel. He looked like he walked to the ring in the old basketball tearaway pants. And I'm not sure if that's what it was, but I, in my mind, that's what it was.
2: Are we going to see this again? Because, you know, the reports on the internet are that they're going to run it back one more time. There's going to be another match at SummerSlam, maybe involving the great Kali. Maybe it'll be a tag
3: match, whatever it may be. Are we going to have to endure this one more time? I have a feeling, yes. It seems like that's the the way the booking's going right now on Raw and SmackDown. Just do the same thing over and over and over again. Last night, watching Raw, it's, okay, well, you got two people in a feud. Why about we just put two feuds together and have them do a tag team match? Or you have nothing to do with Finn Balor or have him uh, work Elias Sampson for the third time in three weeks. It gets old. I listen, I actually watched some of it live last night, so I couldn't fast forward through most of it. That's tough to do right now. You brought up a really interesting point, and we were talking
2: about this in a group text a couple of days, or actually last night during Raw, was, you know, we all have WWE Network here, and and in spare time I like to go back and watch some old episodes of Raw and Nitro and whatever it may be. Back in those days, man, the people that were feuding, like it was known who was feuding with who. But those two people didn't just wrestle one another every single week on Raw to let everyone know, hey, we're feuding. They would do different things. They would have run-ins. One guy would interfere in the other guy's match, or they would jump him in the back, or they would, you know, whatever it may be, the other guy would do d- guest commentary. But this whole thing here of Enzo versus Cass every week, um, you know, Finn against the, the homeless guy every single week, the Miz versus Ambrose. Is he homeless? Week. He's a guitar player. Yeah, when he walks around the bag. He looks like he's homeless too. Okay. Me. Okay. It, it, why, why, why do we have to watch the pay-per-views anymore? Because you see him
3: every Monday and Tuesday on Raw and SmackDown. And they have to cuz tra- the TV ratings are so in the in the dumps right now. They have to do something so they make these big time matches. Let me tell you what I was impressed with last night. And I'm hard to impress. Braun Strowman on the microphone. I was not expecting him to have any microphone skill whatsoever, and maybe I missed his previous microphone uh, experiences. But last night, he got his point across. He was very, uh, very de- like he had a very demeaning tone. He w- you could he didn't scare me, but I could see that this dude ain't messing around.
2: I like Braun Strowman a lot, and I've said on a previous episode as is- He's must-see TV to me because you never know what he's going to do. Sometimes the ring collapses. Sometimes he breaks the titantron. Sometimes you know, he he gets rammed into a wall when he's in an ambulance. Every time he's there, something really interesting tends to happen, and I just hope they don't mess it up. But I I think that he's due. If anybody is going to beat Brock Lesnar in the near future, I think he's got to be the guy to do it. But you know what's going to happen? He's gone over Roman Reigns 10 times in a row. Roman Reigns is going to go over him and win that championship at SummerSlam.
3: Yeah, I don't like the fact that there's two guys that lost their last match that's going into uh, a main event. I, I just not a big fan of that happening, but they don't really care about wins and losses. But what I did learn last night, having to watch a women's match, uh, Emma, ooh, I'm not sure who that is, but I learned <laughs> last night, came on and you know she came up talked to Kurt Angle about getting her chance or whatever. Well, she got her chance against Nia Jax. I was wondering why the match was a tad bit one sided, but I went do a little research. I learned don't talk bad about your boss on Twitter.
2: Yep, she got buried. She was saying some negative things, and she paid the price last night. Now, Jason Jordan wrestled for the first time since being revealed as Kurt Angle's son in storyline. Um, who's the guy? Hawkins? Kurt Hawkins? Then yeah, Kurt okay. Hawkins, the guy in the
3: Florida colors. That's what I call him.
2: Yes, yes. Um, I, another question, D is. Okay, Kurt Hawkins has sort of ascended to that role of when it's time for somebody to lose, he's in the ring with his cane and, you know, he, he gets crushed. Wouldn't that be a little bit more effective if they had, like, you know, maybe three or four jobbers so it's not him every single week?
3: No, I like it. <laughs> you like just, just having him out there? Why not? You know what's happening. He's like Barry Horowitz. He's the new age Barry Horowitz. You know what's happening. He's entertaining to a point. He's not getting over it. Nobody really hates him. He's kind of in the middle. You know he's going out there. Losing now if he does win, It's like Barry Horowitz he could slap himself on the back. Barry Horowitz was
2: awesome. He was one of my favorite uh, jobbers of all time. I would love to have him on this podcast. In fact, I will reach out to him now on social media to try to have him on.
3: That would be awesome.
2: Now, an interesting thing that happened at the pay-per-view this past weekend is uh, Kevin Owens got his title back. He beat AJ Styles, won the United States Championship. It was a pretty good match. I think those guys can maybe do better, but I thought that was a really good match um owens regaining the title makes me then now wonder why did aj ever win it to begin with i know that there's some different things that they're doing production wise with with aj but your thoughts as
3: kevin owens gets the united states title back why the fishy finish that that was my thought process i, I don't understand why not have a uh, a clean i guess it was a clean finish to a point but just well he was his shoulders were down so we counted that that's stale too that and look the last podcast we talked about it, that's a stale feud. Again, those guys somehow in some form work each other every single night. It just gets old.
2: Now, one interesting thing here is I'm seeing that you know we're recording this Tuesday night. Chris Jericho has returned tonight. He returned on SmackDown Live. Um, that's always fun. I mean, the guy is, is a legend. He's one of the best. Even still at in his 40s, he's still one of the best workers. And obviously, he's really good on the mic as well. I don't. know. I'm trying to find here who he's feuding with. I assume it's going to be with Kevin Owens. Maybe even a U.S. title match at SummerSlam, though. I'm just speculating at this point.
3: It's always fun when Y2J gets back in the mix. Yeah, that's something different, and he does a good job of, you know, he's in a band or whatever, and he goes he goes off TV for a couple months. That's how you keep stuff fresh. And he comes back, and he's not doing the same thing over and over again. Sometimes you just need a little break. But today. Is also uh, National James Ellsworth Day. A guy yes. that we've spoke to on uh, on air before.
2: Ellsworth, yes, he was. Uh, he's incredible, man. <laughs> he had a run there for a little while where I was kind of tiring of him, but as the uh, the manager for a female wrestler, he plays that role incredibly well. Ellsworth, we're gonna have to have him on again.
3: Hey, look, today uh, is the anniversary of the day that he. Uh, was quoted as saying any man with two hands has a fighting chance against Braun Strowman and that's what made that guy uh, made his dream come true of being a WWE superstar
2: dreams come true he also probably made a fair amount of money probably more money in the last year than he made wrestling in any other period in his career so congratulations to him now this weekend there's going to be a boxing show or boxing card and Damien I gotta tell you I was reading about this today and it kind of slipped under the radar to me it we're you know the the masses are talking about Mayweather and McGregor. The boxing fans are talking about Canelo and Triple G. Now, one bout that, that has really kind of slid under the radar and I and I'm just picking up on it now is Adrian Broner's gonna be taking on Mikey Garcia this weekend out in Brooklyn. Broner is 33 and 2. He was right on the cusp of getting to that next level of being that one of the top guys. Then he kind of got stupid, got arrested a couple of times, served some jail time, he's always on social media, hooting and hollering. Mikey Garcia is 36-0. The fight is being billed as sort of a last chance for Broner. It's his last chance to make a run at, you know, prominence. Is he still relevant? Can he beat Mikey Garcia?
3: I think he could beat Garcia, but as far as beating that top echelon of fighters, I don't think that could happen anymore. At One time he was supposed to be the next Floyd Mayweather coming up. He's just, he's entertaining. He's cocky. He's arrogant, which I guess is the reason that they, that they compare him to Mayweather. I just don't think he has that top skill. Again, entertaining guy. We'll make most of the time we'll make for a good fight because he's too arrogant not to just go to war with somebody. Tell me
2: about Mikey Garcia a little bit. he's 36, and know, for a guy that has won 36 straight bouts, you would think he would be more of a known name. I'm looking at, you know, earlier looking at some of the guys he's fought. This guy has some decent names on there. Where does he stand in sort of the power,
3: pound for pound mix of boxing? Uh, you know, it's one of those unknown, untested fighters. He, de- he did beat Elio Rojas, uh, and but for some reason, he was out the game for, for I want to say, 24 months from 14 to 16, I, I think. You might not want to quote me on that. But, uh, you know, not a lot of names on the resume. Perfect guy to step up with a, a guy like Broner that people think that he may or may not be on the downside of his career. Just one of those um, crossroads fights, what they call that.
2: Okay, so... That fight's gonna be this weekend in in Brooklyn. Now we got to talk about this before we sign off. Is the big news? Pauly Mal- Malinaji went eight rounds with Conor McGregor. Now Malinaji then did some interviews and everything like that. Said, "Oh, you know, he's got a heavy hand. You know, he's this, he's that." Um, now an interesting thing is I see TMZ is reporting that Malinaji was walking around in the streets today with a black eye that he claims he got from sparring Conor McGregor. He didn't have said black eye when doing any of these interviews and any of these press. Is it possible that McGregor's camp's kind of leaking this a little bit? Oh, bro, we beat him up real bad when we sparred him. Because Malinaji, some of his quotes were, yeah, he's got a game plan. He kind of hits hard, but he's kind of reckless in there as well. I'm curious to see now, two or three days later, he's walking around with a black eye.
3: Paulie Malinaji makes me sick. He went on uh, afterwards on some interview. He gave very, 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 very vague answers as to what happened. Uh, The boxing faithful called him out on twitter and you know when you you backed into a corner you just have nothing else and you just come out swinging whatever you got i think he responded to every person that (laughs) tweeted him and just very negative and very defensive and that go kind of goes along with what you just said i I think he may have gotten a little extra money on on the back end
2: so how does this work okay When, when you're uh getting ready to have a prize fight and you you got your sparring partner lined up you want things to be secretive does he sign paperwork saying, hey, I can't release specifics? And, and and I guess the second question is, how much money is he getting to stay silent? Is this like a couple thousand dollars? Is this a tens of thousand dollars thing? What what kind of payday is he looking at?
3: I, I really don't know uh, for that part, but a couple of weeks ago, we ripped McGregor for possibly sparring Brandon Rios, who has no earthly uh, compare being compared to Floyd Mayweather. He stepped up right there with Paulie Malinaji being on that not on that level but as far as the styles he's more of a, a Mayweather style guy But the problem is he's been retired he's obviously put on some weight but in the the sparring photos that that have been released uh Italian so you know he got that mob mentality so he probably got paid a little a little lick of money and he's gonna you know he's he's pretty loyal to that money so he'll he'll stay quiet as far as how much You know, you got a retired fighter that does commentary now, so he's probably itching for a few bucks.
2: That's, you know, it's curious. This whole thing, you know, it's getting more and more intriguing as the fight nears because all the people that sort of know how this this goes down, they're all saying the same thing. Man, Mayweather's going to kill this guy. It's not going to be close. It's not going to be competitive. But all the money in Las Vegas is being placed on McGregor, so much so that the line and the odds now have, come very very close to one another i don't know man <laughs> I, I i know that mayweather is, is going to obviously be better and i'm not trying to say mcgregor's got a shot or anything like that but if you're a conspiracy theorist you're kind of wondering a little bit about
3: the legitimacy of this whole thing don't fall in that trap just don't do it a lot of the general public uh, is not educated in the fight game i think they're buying into the hype that mcgregor is out talking about Floyd Mayweather and giving himself a chance to win and now the general public is believing that he may have a chance to win so that's why a lot of the money's going there and look at it's not a safe bet but it's a it's a gamble but at those odds a lot of people are just taking those odds especially with the way he's talking that he's not afraid but don't fall into that listen take the one more round studio advice don't fall into the trap don't get don't fall into the game
2: It sounds like it's going to be a really good night to be a casino. (laughs) I mean, all the money's being laid on one guy, and the the heavy favorite is probably going to walk away with the win. But, man, that's going to be a hell of a day in Las Vegas. A lot of folks don't realize this. The arena where the fight is happening, that is the arena where the Big Three Championship was supposed to be held. Now, since the fight has been announced, they've moved them to another arena. But we're going to have the Big Three at, like, noon until, like, 2 or 3 o'clock. Then after that, we're going to go just across the street, have the Mayweather fight. Not that Vegas needs an excuse to party, but there's going to be a lot of celebrities and a lot of really prominent people in, in town as is. And that's going to be one heck of an atmosphere.
3: Let me tell you, uh, McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, their people did a hell of a job on getting the people that want to be in the stands, in the stands. To be able to buy tickets, to stop the, stop the, uh, the scalpers from getting X amount of tickets, you had to sign up. And get a confirmation code to be able to purchase tickets. Wow. Now, anybody in the world could have gone signed up to be able to purchase tickets. That doesn't necessarily guarantee you a ticket. That guarantees you the access to be able to possibly buy tickets. <laughs> now, another thing, uh, this was this was big time, uh, you know, maybe maybe five, six years ago, the fight is gonna be broadcasted in certain theaters. That's cool. And a couple of buddies and I Went and got a couple watched a couple Mayweather fights and uh, Miguel Cotto fights at the Elmwood Theater. Now, look, it's 20 bucks or whatever to get in, but that's awesome. You got a bunch of fight fans in in the place, and everybody's there for for that reason. Nobody's there just to kind of, you know, just to be social. Everybody's going to watch the fight. I actually met Willie Roof. uh, I think Floyd Mayweather and Shane Mosley fight. We we watched there, and our, our buddy Rocky. Uh, decided he wanted to meet him and waited for him outside the bathroom. And it took a while to get out of the bathroom. And I didn't want to meet him anymore <laughs> after that.
2: I think that's a good place to, to put a pin in it and sign off. We want to thank uh, Coach Rebo again, Coach Marcus Wood as well, for joining us. Um, we're going to be back later in the week. Send us your Q&A questions. We had a great time with that last time. We're going to do the Q&A later in the week. Again, anybody that's looking to uh, where we're going to be going next with some of our guests, we have commitment from coach john brady former lsu men's basketball coach also stro Miles swift he's been texting me throughout the segment he's ready to come on we're gonna ask stro if he's, if he's gonna play a little big three in the future he said he's been playing uh, basketball with his kids all day long but man we're talking about everything that you guys are talking about football season is almost here Damien, we were we were text messaging about this we have done all of our episodes so far the most boring time of the sports calendar but man, right now there's
3: starting to be a little bit of gasoline poured on that fire. It's really about to rev up. Yeah. Um, I think over the weekend we've had one of our, our better weekends as far as downloads for this podcast, and I think it's going to get better and better, especially uh, with the high school football scene coming up. We're going to be we'll – have, we'll have a ton of guests on. We're going to try to do something after the games on, on Friday night. I think that will be pretty exciting. We'll get a chance that uh, we're working on some software right now to be able to go uh, live on our broadcast. So we got some very exciting things coming up for you guys so please um you obviously got us through social media right now so please share with your friends share with your family and make sure they know where to go for the the latest uh news and insight i like that insight there you we, go we're some insightful guys there
2: you go on twitter at one more round or one underscore more round o-n-e underscore more round facebook search one more round studios podbean. it's one more round.podbean.com and YouTube as well. Search one more round studios. We're gonna to try to get more of some interviews and some different interactive things like that. And uh, that's about it. We're gonna sign off right here. It's been a great show, and we'll be back later in the week. Good night, guys.
0: Time to play the game. Time to play the game. One more <laughs> round, round. Round. You're, done, you're done. It's all about the game And how you play it it's all about control And if you can take it it's all about your debt And if you can play it It's all about pain pay